0: Podcast by the Frederick News Post. My name is Jillian Atelsic, and I'm the education reporter here, and this is a series where I'm sitting down with each of the 16 candidates for the Frederick County Board of Education. This is a much more crowded field than we've seen in many years, and as you will know, if you've listened to any of these in the past, there's been a pretty unprecedented amount of money poured into the race so far. So we're sitting down with everybody and we're asking them about the issues. Today my guest is Raina Remondini. Raina is a homeschooling mom who runs a homeschool co-op for other parents around Maryland who are homeschooling their children. And she said that if she was elected to the board, she would try to expand services for children who are not enrolled in Frederick County Public Schools. Raina also said she would try to be a, quote, champion for parents' rights. Thank you all so much for listening to these and engaging with this. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, primary elections are July 19th and early voting begins July 7th. All right. Today we have Raina Remendini. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Can you tell me uh, what area of the county you live in and what your day job is?
1: Yes, I live off of Route 40, uh, West Frederick, and I am a school administrator. I run a homeschooling co-op, and uh, we basically cater to homeschooling families.
0: Okay. Have you ever run for any kind of public office before?
1: No, I have not. This is my... My first time running for office.
0: Okay. What made you decide you wanted to run? What Were there any particular issues that kind of sparked this? Or,
1: Well, you know, Jillian, I am running because I feel like I can make a difference. I feel like I can be a voice for parents' rights. There is a certain climate that's going on right now in the education system, and I am running because I want to. Do something about what's happening.
0: Okay. What are some of the most important issues to you? I mean, you mentioned some concerning issues. I think that might not be the word you use, but what what are you talking about?
1: Well, I think uh, right now, if I were to just give an example of a a couple of some of the burning issues, uh, would be uh, the propaganda uh, that's happening in the schools. I think that I want to be a voice for parents' rights. Um that is the platform that I'm running on, and so I feel like parents need to have a voice at the table. And um, when it concerns things like I guess really the the really hot buttons at the moment um, have to do with uh, racial issues and also with gender identity. So those are a couple of hot buttons that I would like to uh, be able to give my voice to when it comes to being on the board.
0: Okay use the word propaganda can you tell me a little bit more about what kinds of things you're seeing or, or hearing about that you're, you're characterizing that way
1: right when i use the word propaganda i guess i'm using that as a catch-all for uh... some of the hot buttons that are happening in the political um, in arena at the present time uh... things that are happening with unisex bathrooms um, gender fluidity teaching um, curriculum that involves things such as um, books that involve things like having two mommies or two daddies, um, sensitive books uh, that may relate to race uh, that touch on topics that parents are not ready to address yet with their children, whether it be, um, you know, regarding the N-word or certain um, aspects of history. I, I am here to be a voice as far as what CRT is and what it isn't. I know that that's another um phrase that gets thrown around a lot quite often and I've been around enough and I've listened uh, to enough parents I've seen a lot of the discourse that's going on in uh, those Board of Education meetings to basically see where parents are at and there's just a lot of uh, emotion uh, at the time being and I think that there needs to be less emotion and more um, practical um, practical thinking applied towards how we can all come together as a community and meet everyone's needs not everyone's going to feel or think the same on all issues
0: okay well so you you kind of brought up some of these issues that i was going to touch on a little later in the interview but since we're kind of going down that route um i'm asking everybody about the recent uh, changes to the state health curriculum framework and the way that that debate has played out in the community over the last couple months um where do you stand on that issue and um, do you have any thoughts or reflections on the way that this discussion has been held and, and the way that um either school board members or community members or both have been speaking about that issue
1: well you know i think the board of education right now i think they're trying their best uh to be transparent um i think that they're trying to get the communi- the, the the information out there to the community which is important Um, At the same time, there are state guidelines um, that the members of the board are trying to follow. Uh, Their hands are a bit tied because they do have to um, follow these guidelines, and they haven't uh, exactly made these guidelines themselves. And when I mention these guidelines, I just basically mean the the state board um, has passed along information, which means that you have to incorporate certain marginalized groups. Um, such as transgender children and the like. So at this point in time, I think that the Board of Education is just trying to follow through with what's been written down um, and the guidelines that need to be followed. And parents may not understand the role that they can play in this. And what I mean by that is if you've got parents that are attending these board meetings and they're basically saying, we don't want a unisex bathroom, I don't want my kid to read this book, I don't want my kid involved. I think that at some point in time, you put away and do away with the mandates because you can't just do a mandate across the board and say, no, you can't opt out until fourth grade that can't be one of the guidelines you can't tell a parent that they don't have the option to say I choose to have my child sit out because if you have that conviction if you come from a family that has different beliefs different values um, you don't want to tell that parent that they can't opt out that their child is forced to sit there and go through a certain curriculum so that's where I come in that's where I feel like I'm a voice of reason at the table I would consider myself to be a moderate candidate. I really veer away from anything that is extreme. Okay. So I'm not here for any radical ideas. I'm just here for for pragmatic consideration and practical solutions um, so that we can have civil discourse.
0: Okay. Uh, and just to be clear, you mentioned the fourth grade opt-out. I do want to um, just clarify that. The the FCPS board has said that they will allow opt out of that curriculum at any age. Um, so it, it, there was some confusion originally where people thought it would be beginning, only beginning in fourth grade, but that, that's not the case. Um, so if you were elected, you would be serving alongside the first new superintendent that FCPS has had in more than a decade. So how would you plan to work alongside Dr. Dyson and what kinds of things, if any, do you think the district could change or improve as it sort of enters this new Chapter of leadership?
1: I'm excited to see Dr. Dyson come on board um, in July. I think that she's going to be uh, an asset to the county and to the school system. I think that she has a great track record of getting things done, and she can only, or we as a county, can only go up from here because we've had some really low points um, under our former superintendent. So I think that we begin by cleaning up that mess that was left and uh, we get back on on board with especially what's happening with the special special education.
0: Well, that was my next question, actually. Um, How would you navigate the continued impacts of the Department of Justice investigation, and what are some ideas that you have in terms of ways that the special education programs in the district could be changed or improved?
1: Well, I do have some um, ideas about that. I know that we currently have a program uh, where parents of toddlers, 3, 4, uh, pre-K, are able to get certain services for IEPs and such. Um, I think that's a great program. I think that it should be encouraged. At the same time, as a homeschooling mom, I speak with a lot of parents that were in the system, um, and they were receiving these services and these resources, and they no longer are receiving these resources because they've taken their children out of the public school system. So I would like to work personally with with uh, Dr. Dyson to see how we can expand upon uh, the program to also include those parents who have chosen to to homeschool so that they can also have I mean homeschoolers they still deal with children that have uh, delayed speech or children that have learning disabilities and so they shouldn't be shut out from those resources. So that's where I'm targeted. That's where my mind frame lies.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Can you
1: can you talk a little bit more about that? It sounds like you're saying you think
0: the district should be offering services to students even if they're not FCPS students.
1: Well, the thing is, is that FCPS students. Once again, that's why I mentioned that's why I mentioned um, the pre K. The pre-K children first before I went into that because technically um, you're taking the three and the four-year-olds and they're not technically considered enrolled in the public school. They're not K through 12, but yet there was a way to um, render these services to that group of people. And you know, a lot of a lot of things have happened in the past two years. I mean, America really took a pause with the whole pandemic, and we had a lot of time to think during COVID. And a lot of parents were forced to become homeschoolers, not of their own accord. Uh, We even had a loving nickname for them, COVID homeschoolers. And as they, you know, as they flooded the system and they came in into my world, the world that I operate, um, I had a lot of discussions with these parents and these parents had had IEPs or they had had certain programs that were just taken away from them. And I feel like all children deserve to have access, especially children that are in need and have special needs. Whether you're a homeschooler or you're a preschooler, no child should be left behind.
0: Okay, so when you're talking about kids who've had IEPs taken away, do you mean they weren't getting their IEP services during virtual learning, or do you mean their parents removed them from, from FCPS?
1: Right. When you withdraw from the public school system, you do not have those those resources available. So you lose, you lose the IEP or you lose the, the services that you did have as a homeschooler. And I feel like if you are still living in this district, if you are a homeowner, if you're paying property taxes, you're paying into the system. So even if you choose to take your child and homeschool them because you don't want to deal with what's happening in the school system, and there's so many issues that go beyond what we've just spoken on with the gender identity and the racial issues, there's things that, you know, in the special education, it goes far beyond that. We could talk about overcrowding, and there's more topics um, that we could discuss. But if you are a taxpaying citizen, um, you should be able to have your children have access to those resources.
0: Okay. So did you homeschool your own children here in Frederick County? I do. Okay. And this is, an inter- I don't know much about the homeschooling system and it sounds like that's sort of the lens or a big lens through which you're, you're running your campaign. Is that fair? It is. And so can you tell me a little bit about what, um, if any kind of public services they, they've received and what changes you think, I mean, you you sort of touched on this, but I'm just curious to hear you elaborate more on what your children received. If anything, from the county and the public school system during your time and what you think might be able to change so that other kids in in similar situations could have more access to these kinds of things you're talking about.
1: Right, right. Well, I would like to say some people may say, you know, you're a homeschooling mom. You don't have children in the system. Why are you even running for the Board of Education? How does it pertain to what's happening you don't know what's happening in the system you have no idea your children are not affected but I would disagree because I feel that as a homeschooling mom uh, the fact that I'm a homeschooling mom shows that I have an extreme amount of commitment and dedication when it comes to educating uh, my children and all children I have found myself in the position of championing for parents rights because of the fact that I've had many many parents come to me with these issues, with issues that they're dealing with in the school system. My children personally have never had to use any resources. Um, They're not requiring um, special needs education. My children personally have not used any of these resources. But the reason why it matters to me is because I am championing for all of these parents um, who I do know of who have lost these uh, resources. I've seen firsthand how parents are struggling with teaching their children. Uh, that's why this uh, organization, this nonprofit that I run, I have tried to produce speech speech pathologists, um, speech therapists, um, and other freelancers that can come in and help the parents who need this help. They're not getting it from the system and I feel like I have a conviction. I'm convicted to help. That's another reason why I'm running, because I want to do something positive. I want to be that champion for parents' rights. I understand the importance of it. If my kids were in the system, if they were in the public school system, I would want them to be able to get the education that we send them there for. My kids are not in the public school system because I don't want to deal with what I called propaganda. I don't want my children um, to be introduced to certain things that don't match with our family's values. My kids are not in the public school system because I have fear about the safety of my children. You know, I don't feel that we're safe. I don't feel like schools are safe, churches are not safe, We've had so much violence, and there's been such a there's. I mean, our society is just—there's uh, been so many changes in the last couple of years. It's really hard to send your kids somewhere, and you think that they're safe, but is there really any safe spaces anymore? And so I feel like my home is safe. I feel like I do the best that I can to protect my children, and all children deserve that. Which leads me and I know you haven't asked me yet, but leads me into the SRO program, which I think is a, a fantastic program. I feel like it gives parents a sense a little bit of sense of safety for their children.
0: Just for people
1: I'm I'm trying to interject
0: whenever folks use acronyms, SRO is school resource officer, just for listeners who who might not be familiar with that term. And they're they're not police officers per se, but they are law enforcement
1: workers who, who patrol the schools. And I've been blessed because I'm a stay-at-home mom. you know, I'm not uh, a person that has to work, so I have the luxury of being able to stay at home with my kids, and not all moms have that luxury. But I do feel like there needs to be change. And all of my life, I, when I felt convicted, I did something about it, and that's why I'm here today, because I'm doing something. Okay, um, so a couple of things there. You, you talked a lot about
0: school safety, which is obviously a relevant topic, and you also a few times now have mentioned the term racial issues, and I'm wondering if you could elaborate on both those topics, on both what you see as the problem, and, and if you were elected, what you think the solution is to these problems you're describing. Okay, so you can take them one at a time if you want. Let's start
1: with uh, racial issues the racial issues i okay so i am I'm a woman of color um, I am an educator, and I have gone to university and I've done a lot of study and I continue to do study um, actually at the moment I'm going after my master's for uh, business administration so education is is highly important to me and it's important that people do the research because when you go into public offer office or when you're trying to do any sort of take any sort of stance on any position it can't be a feeling, it can't be what you think, it can't be your opinion. I strongly feel like people need to look for the answers. They need to look in a book, they need to look for a source. It needs to be something where you just didn't hear it from someone, okay? So a lot of times it's hard to find a reputable source. Where do you go to? Do you go to cable news? Do you go to your local newspaper? Where do you find information that you can trust And as I turn on the news, as I read the newspapers, this CRT, it it, it gets thrown around like, like... Another acronym that stands for critical race theory. Sorry about that. Critical race theory, it gets thrown around like a buzzword. And I just feel like people are not doing the work to understand that critical race theory. It's something that's been around for decades. Actually, it came out of the 70s. And it really speaks to racism how it is embedded as a social construct in our legal system it is not something that is taught in elementary schools it is not something that is taught in middle school or even at the secondary education level and so your leaders and the people that are in charge of making these policies they have to be educated to this fact so that they can educate the people so that we can disseminate or we can choose we can take the the wheat from the chaff and understand what's true and what's you know what's not true what's fact and what's fiction so i think that parents need to get this information and it's the board of education's responsibility to make this information easy for them to find. You know, let them be able to see what's on the list of books. Are you concerned about the curriculum and, and what's on the list of books? If that's the case, go to the site, look at the books for yourself, read the books for yourself, do the research. If this is something that you don't want your child to read because it doesn't fit with your family values, then you have every option to just go to the librarian and say, you know what? This book, this book, this book, it's not for little Johnny we don't want to introduce these topics if they're racial issues or things that are not fitting with an age, um, an age group that you feel is appropriate then say we simply don't want this for our child this is not where we want to introduce this topic now at the same time parents can't bury their, ha- their heads in the sand you know you have to understand that the world has gender issues. The world has racial issues. I know this because it exists, right? You know this because you live in the world and it exists. But we all want to prepare our children in different ways and perhaps at different times. So I think it's nothing wrong with that information being out there. But you should be able as a parent to say, this is not really what I want for my child. And it should be easy enough to say, no, we're not going to ban the book, which is really I think an extremism. And once again, I said again that I'm really not for extreme points of view. I believe that in the middle lies truth. Um, So, but there should be an option for parents that have a disagreeing viewpoint to say this is not for me. How do they know that it's not for them? It's transparent because it's available to you to do the work, do the research. You don't want this book that says the N-word. You don't want this book that refers to the N-word. You don't want this book that talks about skin color, you don't want this book that refers to certain issues in history, you don't want this book that you feel just doesn't align with your that you have every right to feel the way you do but do the work go look at the books and say to the librarian this book is not for little Johnny and I think that that is a good fair compromise.
0: Okay, And then I just want to touch real quick on school safety since you you made a point to speak about that. Do you have any thoughts on what could change at the school level to make them more safe?
1: Well, you know, we've had this program for, for close to, I mean, a little over two decades now. And I think that... What program? uh, For the, for the, for having the, the deputies and the, the officers in the school. Um, And, you know, you can ask yourself, has it made a difference? A parent can ask, has it made the children any safer? Um, has it slowed down the amount of school shootings? Um, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know if it really has made an effect of slowing down school shootings, but maybe it has. Um, maybe the pure, the, pure, the mere presence of an officer or a deputy or a security guard in the school has been a deterrence for the would-be student that would be a shooter. Um, perhaps it's been a deterrence even on the point of not just school shootings but you know especially like in high schools for the kids maybe to not smoke marijuana in the bathrooms maybe for the kids to not be truant on the grounds you know I think that it's made an effect is it a measurable effect though and how can you measure it Um, I do though believe that it is good intention it's a program with good intentions Um, and I think that it has been effective as far as being a deterrence. I would not go as far though as to have these security officers be teaching um, classes. Um, I don't think that it needs to go to that point. I don't even necessarily think that the SROs have to have so much involvement with the kids. I know that they're trying to maybe give them a feeling like you know cops are okay. You don't have to run away from the cops. Some kids may feel like police officers are not friendly; that they're not um, that they're not on your side. Some children come from households where, if they see a police officer, there's fear. Um, their first reaction is to to run. But perhaps seeing these officers in the schools in a positive light, it helps to. Kind of break away at that stereotype as well, that officers can be there to be helpful and not um, that they 're not that it 's not a negative stigma that comes along with it, so I think it's a few different a, a few different aspects of how it 's beneficial in the schools
0: okay, I want to talk about some more concrete topics that have been. Um pretty important at board meetings and community discussions lately. So one of them has to do with staffing and and staff pay. So Frederick County Public Schools employees consistently make less money than uh, people working in the public school system in, say, Howard County, Montgomery County, and um, a lot of school board officials have expressed concern about uh, the effect this might have on staff retention and recruitment. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that issue and any um, ideas
1: you have to mitigate that. Well, as a businesswoman, I just know that you're not going to get your best. You're not going to get the best unless you pay. But, you know, as a moderate, I try to see everything from all angles and from all different sides. Um, You're not going to get the talent and you're not going to retain that talent if you don't pay. But where does the pay come from? Um, You know, it's not just an easy solution to say, let's raise property taxes and put more in the budget to pay for our staff and our teachers. Um, I know that the board right now is really banging away at the budget. Uh, there's been a lot of cuts right now for the budget, and it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to allocate funds. Where do they go? Um, what is the best takeaway if you take away from this fund? Um, how does that affect the teacher's ability to do their jobs? Um, if you're making all of these heavy cuts, are you cutting programs or are you cutting people? So I believe that we do not need to cut people. Um, yeah,
0: and just to clear, the cuts you're talking about, they are, they have to reduce their budget request for next year from what they had originally asked for. But their budget is still growing by a lot. They're not cutting from existing programs. They just have to take their really big
1: request and make it a little a little smaller. but regardless, it's it's going to expand a lot. Sure, absolutely. And in that expansion, it should involve people. I personally believe um, that it's best for the people of Howard County, for our system, our public county system, if we have the best. And the only way to retain those teachers is to pay them what they deserve. There's no reason why other counties um, should have a higher pay than Frederick County. There's no reason why we shouldn't uh, work our way up to the same. Um, to the same level. You have to invest in your people. You know, it's um, being a teacher, and I am a teacher. I teach economics. um, I teach art, and I hire a lot of teachers for the homeschooling co-op. So I believe in teachers. I'm an advocate for teachers. I understand the amount of hard work that goes into teaching, all that is behind the scenes, all that's involved, the passion of teaching, and just... Uh, the patience I mean it's a really noble profession and it's one that deserves the pay so I will I will fight for an increase in teacher pay and at the same time I know that that doesn't come without finding the funds so does it come from property taxes being raised Does it come from fundraising does it come from grants Um, I will be a voice at the table to see how we can make those things happen in a creative manner. I don't necessarily believe that raising property taxes is the answer, though, because it it can't be. There has to be other ways that we can find that money to compensate our teachers.
0: All right, so switching gears a little bit, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the survey data by the firm that was responsible for finding Dr. Dyson, Um, but they surveyed a lot of parents, teachers, students, and community members about the state of the school system. And one of the key takeaways that I'm asking candidates about is um, some findings that had to do with transparency and communication. So a lot of people seem to indicate that they felt the district wasn't doing a great job with either of those things. And um, sort of, it showed some declining levels of trust, I think, between the community and the school system. So if you were elected,
1: how would you work to rebuild that trust? Well, first of all, I think and that's a great, great question. Uh, I think that what needs to be done on the um, for transparency is the website, you can just start there because I mean, we're living in a world where people just go online, the website needs to be Designed to a point where you can just easily see a link or you can just easily see a button And you can go to the information that you want like what I had discussed before like transparency Where when it comes to the curriculum? Um, transparency when it comes to these sorts of hot-button issues have parents have the ability to just go there not have to Look for buried information and to find the answers for themselves also at the same time I think that Having people in, in the room to record the meetings that board members are having um, as a sake of showing their transparency, that's not the answer. That's, it's just not the answer. I say that because some people might want to say, yeah, I want to be a fly on the wall, and I want to hear what are the board members discussing? How are you getting to these, um, these conclusions? How are you coming to these conclusions? Um, how are you coming? How are you? How are you? What are the discussions that are leading uh, to these decisions? And I don't think it's the answer to let the public into these uh, board meetings. And I believe that it's not the answer because if you do that, you're not going to get the truth. You're not really going to get people who are talking about um, their real opinions because if the board feels like people are listening in, then they're not. They're not going to be. You know, If you know that you're being recorded, you're not going to say your true opinion. I just believe that you're not going to get at the truth behind the scenes in the back room um, to see how the sausage is made. If people know that they're being recorded, I think that they're going to be less likely to really uh, bang out the hard-hitting truths and really speak on what they feel. I think that you don't need to see how the sausage is made. Let the sausage be made in the back rooms and then just hold truth Speak truth to power, hold the board members accountable for the decisions that they come to the table with.
0: Okay, with the recordings, um, each board meeting is is recorded and broadcast live on TV. Are you saying those, the broadcast of those public meetings should stop? Are you talking about some of the
1: committee meetings
0: that aren't recorded?
1: The committee, the committee, the committee members, the committee meetings that are not being recorded right now there was a discussion on whether or not those should be open to show even more transparency and i just i just don't believe that that's that uh, should be the route that they take
0: okay all right well as we get ready to wrap up here um i just want to ask you simply why you think you are the best candidate or one of the best candidates for this role i mean we have a really crowded field there's 16 candidates which is more than we've had in in many years here So what would you say to voters in terms of why you you deserve their vote and their support?
1: Well, I would love uh, the support of Frederick County residents, and I believe that I am the right fit for this position because I'm a moderate. There are a lot of people in the race right now. There are a lot of candidates that are to one extreme or the other. Um, They're either extremely conservative um, or they have more of a a liberal point of view, um, and I believe that the liberals may not give as much of a pushback. Uh, I believe that the conservatives, at this point in time, there's just so many hot buttons, and it's just a field of of fervent emotion. Um, there's, you know, Christianity that's being thrown out there. I'm, I'm a Christian candidate, and I, I don't see. I truly believe that there still is a separation between church and state. I believe that this position is not for a person that has such fervent um, beliefs. This position needs to be held by someone who is practical and can look at all people's points of view. I mean, the demographic in Frederick County also has changed. There are a lot of people with differing points of view. Um, and it's not just a collection of of it's not a monolith frederick county is no it's not a monolith not not everyone is is the same and thinks the same and so we can't personally push our personal views onto what the county wants i mean i think people have to listen you it's not about you personally it's about what the county wants what the citizens and the residents want and so if you are a fervent a conservative on one end who's toting Christian values and and you're against this and you're against that. I don't think that's how you should walk into this realm. This is about being able to listen to everyone's point of view and to be able to do something that works for everyone, to make um, to make policy that works for everyone. It's a give and take. And not everyone's going to be happy. 50% of the people are going to be upset. <laughs> There's never a win-win. But I don't think you should come into this this playing field with your own personal, fervent uh, opinions. It needs to not be about the personal candidate's point of views. It needs to be a person that's willing to work for everyone and represent everyone. And I feel that I'm able to do that. I listen to people. I listen to what the issue is. And then I focus on what we can do to solve that issue it's not trying to buy it's not about trying to win or own anyone it's about what's best for who we serve
0: all right well reyna thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me